Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Whiteley on SEN. I'm only ringing the trade bell to acknowledge... That we lost 30% of our material, <laughs> Sam. We're in correspondence Whoa. on Friday morning. Didn't know it was I'm coming. out walking. Tom Green signs for four years. Oh, that's our whole hook. That's 30% of our shtick. I think I admitted at the time it was a devastating blow for all of our <laughs> Richmond techs, the sightings, uh, the eyewitness sightings, if you like, of relatives meeting with Richmond people. That's all done and dusted because the big, big re-signing four years at GWS for Tom Green. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's dead. And the way he spoke about it, it was never happening. No, I know. I couldn't really resist. I was, I was compelled to go down that path with him, and yep, he, he shut it firmly shut. <laughs> so um, we'll have to just uh, focus on some others as the year unfolds. Oh, and I'm sure we all those emails and texts. And then when we entered the realm of fantasy, it was some of my favourite times. We had some, we exposed a couple of baristas that weren't baristas, truck drivers that weren't (laughs) delivering anything. We went down a pretty wild, uh, wild sort of path. And speaking of wild paths, I mean, how dare you distract me from matters at the base? And I'm uh, glued to this test because I just think potentially only one wicket away from blowing this back apart again, the Kiwi. So we'll see how Stokes is injured. He's hobbling between wickets. Joe Root's flying, though, and he that's is. a big reason why uh, Baz Ball has survived another test as they go for seven in a row. 103 to win, five wickets in hand, five for 155 in the 41st over, so uh, lunch is pending. <laughs> they, they don't stop, though, do they? So Root's going at 61 from 66 delivery, so it's, it's been a test and they've passed it. Um, I wanted to start with a couple of matters that are taking some time, I mm. think it's fair to say. The in the stories that publicly have been yeah. dormant for a little while. They have been, and almost in some quarters, I'd say, forgotten. I mean, it, it's hard to believe, but it, it's been more than five months since the Brownlow, which means it's been more than three months, in fact, closer to four, since former AFL field umpire Michael Pell was arrested, arrested at his home on November 14 in the wake of that suspicious Brownlow betting activity, Jared. So he was arrested by detectives from the Victoria Police Sporting Integrity Intelligence Unit for allegedly sharing information on which players would receive votes in specific matches last year, including, of course, games that he was involved in as an official. He was interviewed for more than five hours, Michael Pell, um, the suspicion being that he engaged in conduct that corrupts or would corrupt a betting outcome. Others were quizzed as well under the um, allegation that they use corrupt uh, conduct information for betting purposes. So here we are 15 weeks on and no charges have been laid It's understood that detectives were convinced upon seizing Pell's phone and relevant communication devices that there would be a smoking gun of sorts found in group messages or notes or voice messages, but that has not been the case. So what started off being a corruption case, one that was said that, you know, Michael Pell influenced votes with umpires straight after games was quickly dismissed as fantasy. So now detectives and police are zeroing in on the sharing of information because the umpires subsequently interviewed by police have denied that Pell was guilty of any improper conduct on game day. So now in something of a test case, the accusation isn't that Pell influenced or fixed the outcome of a sporting event, but rather passed on, as I say, information he had allegedly inside a knowledge of. So 
It's also known that the bets, though, by the individuals, the other individuals at the centre of this investigation, are accompanied by other bets by those same individuals that saw no return. So, so, so hang on. So, losing bets. Losing bets. So, in the collection of bets that were laid, we think there are winning bets. Correct. And there are losing bets. Not like there's been six home runs and they've run off into the night with a sack of cash. So this was the question the morning after that, that remains unresolved is what represents loose lips yep. and what represents a coordinated sting and the difference between the two will be the nuance of the case. And if that's right, if there is no smoking gun, which we don't believe there is, then how is this going to be proven, I suppose, as fact over time, and how is it going to hold up in a court of law? So the AFL was said to be caught off guard initially, surprised by Pell's arrest. Now sources are claiming, Jared, that there are some at AFL House growing somewhat concerned over the case and its direction. Obviously, Pell resigned from the AFL umpire ranks late last year, given his position was simply untenable. So this is one that's dragged on for a long time, a lot longer than many people thought at the time of its um, of, of Michael Pell's arrest. And... Um, now only a select few know exactly what's happening. So the the lane of charges is the next step if there yep. are charges to be laid and the severity of what those are. And I think that remains an if, if charges are to be laid. Now, you would assume they are because police have come this far and it's been so public that you would assume charges will eventually be laid. How they hold up from there, who knows? Just as an aside, the Brownlow's such an unusual event and we've spoken about this a lot in the sense that we're betting on something where the outcome is already known, yep. kept in secret, but known. Um, the Australian... Communications and Media Authority only last December found that the Brownlow wasn't an in-play betting service under the Interactive Gambling Act of 2001. So that being live sporting event like we're watching here at the moment between um, England and New Zealand, you can't bet on in the app. You have to make a phone call to, to put a bet on in time. Now, the Brownlow isn't that because it's not classified as a sporting event. It's classified as a television event. So the amount of money exchanged and, and put on the table in train is so easy to do and so vast that there's just so much money changing hands. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an event that uh, the AFL are understandably really fiercely protective of the integrity yeah, of. But there's a lot more protections that you can take, yep. which I'm sure will be part of the, the resolution here. Okay. So the other story that's obviously dormant is the, the investigation into Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan. Yeah, it continues. Now, the, the AFL obviously, as you'll remember, appointed in October a four-person independent panel to investigate those allegations that were put forth by former First Nations players and their partners in that Hawthorne review. Now, the four-person panel tasked with getting to the bottom of this somehow is led by senior lawyer Bernard Quinn, KC, and includes three barristers, Jacqueline Turfray, Tim Goodwin and Julie Buxton. Now, the AFL said that that panel was due to report back in December and that the report and its findings would be made public. Then Gillan McLaughlin said he was hopeful they'd have it by the end of February, today. December's obviously come and gone. January's come and gone. Tomorrow, it's March. So the AFL has no control over the process. Not only no control, but also not even any visibility. The independent nature of this investigation is being fiercely upheld to the point where, you know, there might have been a knock on the door at one particular point asking for an update, and that door was slammed firmly shut. Right. Yeah, so not only the... Um the idea of independence, but the practicality is, no, no, we're running this to our own timeline and we're yep. not answerable to you. And in fact, we're not even going to tell you. No, exactly. Yeah, I think there might have been, you know, at some point late last year, it was just a, you know, how, how are things going here? Can we get some sort of a, a, an update? And, um, yeah, they were told in no uncertain terms that that update would not be provided. So we, we are all in the dark outside the tent and waiting for, for some sort of resolution, if we will even get one. Mm. All right.
Uh, Jack Henry's the other big uh, injury story at the moment and oh, just that time of the year. Yeah, yeah, so uh, a fractured metatarsal in that foot. We know his recent history with foot injuries unfortunately landed awkwardly on Thursday in that uh, game uh, against Hawthorne at GMHBA Stadium. Just the force through the foot, a fractured fifth metatarsal. So uh, they've consulted widely, the Cats, as they do. They go all around the country speaking to experts. He will undergo surgery on that. The time frame is just impossible to determine other than, and listening to Chris Scott with you yesterday, I know it's serious. Um, where exactly the fracture is. Is it a full or partial fracture? Um, and, and what happens from here in terms of rehab will be really interesting. But uh, unfortunately for, for Jack Henry, he's going to be missing the first part of the season. All right, Sam, I'll let you get back to the cricket. Roots just danced down the pitch and belted Bracewell for another boundary. Five for 162, Sam Edmund for EFS by, road, uh, by air, road or rail. Get your simple freight solutions delivered by EFS. Check efs.net.au.